Greetings, and welcome to the Thirsty Mage, the podcast that's happy to have a pint while the hero is off doing all the dirty work. I am your host and favorite non-puritanical character, David Lloyd, and in this episode, we're going to talk about our favorite characters that rarely see the spotlight, but when they do, they steal the show. Surprisingly enough, after 100 episodes, we've never done a show about our favorite non-playable characters, but now is the time to right this wrong. Joining me is a man who drew the bow that shot the arrow that ended the adventuring career of possibly the most infamous NPC of all time, Jordan Rudick. Now, this is the part where I confess that it was like a magical bow and arrow and not, not guided by me at all, and just, you know, guided by some dark spirit that was inhabiting the bow. Uh, I'm, sure that, I'm sure there's some story in there. Uh, it's Now, you said most infamous NPC of all time. I'm thinking of, like, isn't it all the, like, so many of the guards in, in the world of Skyrim that say, you know, their adventuring career ended as a result of a, an arrow to the knee? Maybe it's, like, a spirit that uh, in, inhabits, like, the guards of each of the different cities that keeps reminding you of the uh, atrocity that that happened uh, there there are them. a lot of there are a lot of npcs in that game that kind of look the same like there's not too many different uh face or character models but uh yeah i i i will i will admit to uh to being the one that caused all that harm um i think that's one of the first video game related memes that i came across like i i i I, probably not the first meme or or gif or anything like that i saw but definitely one of the uh the biggest for the time that everyone was talking about and and it it, you know obviously got overplayed to the point of being you know just kind of destroying that meme but uh i was there for it still makes me laugh even to this day Mm -hmm. and also with us is a gentleman who lately has been falling asleep dreaming of becoming the sixth official member of avalanche casey gibson it's not a dream it's becoming a reality uh, as it slowly but surely takes over my conscious mind all day. God, it, it <laughs> it's one of those, right, any remake of a beloved game, you run the risk. You run the risk of, of just tarnishing it um, a little bit, at least. I mean, obviously, you'd still have the, the original there to enjoy, but my God, it's, I mean, I'm about nine, between, I think, nine and ten hours in, and uh, wow, it there's not enough good to be said about the game, really. Yeah, I totally agree. He got about another twenty or thirty hours, I think, or so, uh, of more enjoyment. Y- you know, you know, it's a good game when uh, they're like, "Hey, you could go, um, go ahead and you know progress the story, or you could just do some more side quests." And I actually went and did some side quests. That, that that's I don't do that, you know. Mm. No, the uh, the only I guess the only real complaint I have is uh, I don't know if you've ran into them too much as yet as the. Um, a few long corridors between like the the actual areas like there's a few times there's like an underground tunnel you got to walk through at some point which is feels a little long for what it is and i'm trying to think there's like this area where they're they have to like shut down the power to something up in like a skylight oh yeah thing. the uh the sunlights it, or whatever they call them yeah that's it yeah that that drawn out a little too long for my taste but other than a couple of those spots it's uh it's it's pretty much banging all the time yeah uh, well like i i pretty much uh told perry the other day and and you'll have to get your uh chocobo uh noise up here i was just sitting there in front of my 55 inch brand new tv with the biggest <laughs> eating green you've ever seen as i was like for like an hour and a half like <laughs> yeah. and and funny enough perry had never heard that phrase so he looked at me like i had eight heads i'm like who hasn't heard that but yeah, my gosh. I, I But this is not a Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, podcast, as much as I would like to hijack it to be. And finally, we have someone who would come back as a farmer in Forget-Me-Not Valley if she's reincarnated, Paige Dillison. So, so which one of you had to look up the name of the town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I cheated a bit. I googled it. Is Forget-Me-Not Valley, is that start? That's not Stardew Valley. No. no. Um, it's um, from Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. Ah, gotcha. Okay, yeah. See that—that's not one I've played. So, and, and I—I don't know. I, I never find the names all that familiar unless they put the name in the title, <laughs> like like Mineral Town or or Paige and I playing Olive Town. Like it's easier to remember when it's actually part of the uh, part of the title of the game. And the important thing is that you recognize the name of the town because it would have been pretty embarrassing for me if, <laughs> if, if you're like, what's Great. this guy talking about? Mm. Yeah. What. Well, the only thing now is that, you know, my favorite bachelor is in real life and not in Forget Me Not Valley, so I don't know what I'll do if I <laughs> end up there. <laughs> and that was actually um, my first ideas for NBCs and the only ones I could think of were, like, 
dateable ones, but then that's a topic for like mm. another episode. So yeah, we're 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 spoiling a future episode if we do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, before we get into this episode, we're happy to announce that there is a new benefit being added to all the tiers of the Patreon. So starting next month, we'll be launching a Patreon-exclusive monthly podcast uh, where no topic is out of bounds. Maybe it's uh, not necessarily RPG-related, or uh, I'm assuming it's going to be video game-related, but... Yeah, it's uh, episodes that are uh, recommended or suggested by patrons and event, and ultimately are decided by a vote. So uh, right now, the uh, the fo- the vote is ongoing for the first uh, episode that will happen in April. So uh, if you jump in now uh, to our Patreon, even at the uh, lowest level at two dollars a month uh, in the Warrior class, you can uh, help decide what topic ends up being chosen. So right now, it's neck and neck between. Mm-hmm. Uh, are going through our old NES catalogs that we used to have as kids or a to-be-decided top 10 list. So, yeah, voting's still open, so be sure to get in there today if you want to sway that uh, first episode. And also just reminding that if you enjoy the show, please support us by either leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice, texting a friend, or even shouting out to the world at large on Twitter that how much you love the show. But uh, from here, I guess we'll take it to... I don't know if Jordan's gone through all of the Oreo flavors in the world yet, but we're going to find out, I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing. You'll, if I do, you'll read it in my obituary, because that's the only thing that's going to happen. I'll be you know, six, six feet under by the time I get through them all. Uh, so I, I, have, I, have a rela- I have two related announcements. One, I suppose, is more positive, one's more negative. Uh, I do have another Oreo type to talk about today. But also, um, I'm, on Friday, I'm going to be doing... Uh, or I have already done a um, food. Uh, gosh, what do they call it? A food sensitivity test, um, or at least I'm hoping to. Uh, if I guess if uh, the appointment goes well, uh, yeah. So I'm hoping to do a food sensitivity test. My sister did one, and it. Uh, I think they they kind of draw a blood sample, and they I guess they test different food substances against the blood just to see which ones react uh, more uh, negatively, or or if there's a reaction at all. I suppose to different food types, you know, um, uh, dairy, alcohol. Uh, uh, different fruits, meats, uh, uh, wheat, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I already know some things that bother me, but I kind of want to look and see if it's like specific ingredients within things. Uh, so, I'm hoping to get a lot of detailed information about the uh, from this test. But uh, they're not cheap. Fortunately, uh, insurance is going to cover part of it. It sounds like so that's good. But uh, yeah, I'll have some kind of interesting data to share uh, in a few weeks when those results come back. But I'm looking forward to it. I've been. Kind of putting off doing something uh, f- more formal or scientific like this and kind of just been experimenting with cutting foods out and trying to avoid certain things. But uh, I do really want to find out specifically, you know, kind of what's going on with uh, with, with foods and, and my body. So, so that's Friday. So that's fun. Uh, and they're probably going to tell me when I get the results back that I can't have the next thing I'm going to talk about. And that's, uh, I bought the, the mini Oreos. They come in like a little pack. So different from the thins, which come in a regular size pack and they're just, you know, kind of like flattened Oreos. These are actually, you know, they're about a third of the size of regular ones and usually get them in, uh, like an individual wrapped package. Uh, you know, like you, you could give to kids to take to school or, or give to Jordan to take to school, whatever. The mini Oreos there are, they don't have the same taste to me as regular Oreos. They're fine. Um, I feel like you just taste kind of a, a general sweetness rather than the, the the noticeable Oreo flavor. I think, and I, I can't believe I'm saying this after the mega the mega Oreo uh, fiasco. Uh, but I think they, I think they have a little bit too much cookie compared to the the cream center. And obviously, I had been kind of craving that a little bit, but it is still after a couple of packages of these, it is a little bit much. So um, mini Oreos, I hadn't had them in a long time. I was kind of curious if they, they tasted the same, and uh, I'm still kind of put, you know, still kind of put them in the lower half. I think um, uh, I think they're fine for like a snack or you know to, to give to kids to put in a lunch bag, uh, lunch bag or something. Um, but I, I would sooner just buy the regular size of of any flavor. I think, or most flavors, uh, over the the mini ones. So, so that's where I'm at right now. I guess uh, you're not far off of getting to the Oreo cereal. I guess that'll be next up on the list shortly. Yeah, again, my 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 fear is that all of these things are going to be on my <laughs> do not do not eat list, and I'm going to have to you know figure out a whole new uh, taste test thing. But on the plus side, uh, when the test reveals that uh, beer is likely to kill me, uh, I, I'll have an excuse for why I'm not drinking at the pub anymore. So that'll be nice too. I'll have it in writing. I'll have to uh, you know put that in my contract or something. As long as they don't uh, tell you it's palm oil that's giving you all the trouble, it should be all right. <laughs> is that that's what's in the current Oreos? Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's in all. I'm sure it's in tons of the stuff I like. So yeah, let, let's hope that's a, a lower reactant uh, on on the chart. Well, does that mean I have to send you some Oreo chocolate? Uh, I was at the supermarket and I saw the Cadbury blocks, and there was an Oreo flavored one. It's getting close to Easter. <laughs> I, I I've seen a bunch of chocolates too. I don't know if I saw any Oreo themed ones, but. It's the problem with chocolate and Easter is like, you know, there's all this good stuff that I would want to get and very little of it is uh, dairy free. Dairy free chocolate is actually really expensive, uh, at mm-hmm. least the ones around here. Um, and sometimes it, it might even be advertised as being uh, vegan or plant based or dairy free. And then it won't be entirely like I, I bought these bars uh, from a store nearby and they I, I tried them and I, you know, I was a little bit uncomfortable afterwards. Then I realized, and then they got pulled off the shelf. Yeah. And they had to add, they had to add in that they're actually not dairy free, awesome. even though I think they'd kind of advertised that before. So that was that was kind of a uh, unfortunate uh, turn of events. But so that's why I like Oreo so much because most of them don't have any milk. Exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 I said this on on some episode. I guess when this whole Oreo thing started was I thought they had milk for the longest time, but then David told me that yeah they had uh, palm oil and. I guess that had replaced the dairy component. So, but uh, Paige, is there a particular chocolate uh, around Easter that you're fond of? Around Easter, well, there's like the Cadbury cream eggs, mm-hmm. or yeah. like any of D- the. Ca- David showed me a picture of an Oreo, <laughs> an Oreo themed one of those. Oh, Gosh, um, kill me. What else? Yeah, just the Cadbury mini eggs. Like there's mini yeah. Turkish delight eggs are probably the best one. Oh, I've, I don't think I've seen Turkish Delight eggs. My um, my grandparents used to like Turkish Delight. I don't know. And then my mom kind of was like, "Oh, I, I, I hate the stuff. I don't know why. I don't know why they like it so much." But um, is it? Do you, is Turkish Delight more of a? I, th- I think it's more of a British thing. Is it an Australian thing too? Yeah, well, Australia has a better chocolate than any other country. Uh, so, <laughs> ooh, shots fired. Oh, oh gosh, I want to test. I want to test that theory so badly. <laughs> <laughs> not 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 to say you wouldn't win but more just that the testing would be really fun yeah because it's i think one of the yeah one of the many cadbury chocolates and it's just like mm. the actual turkish delight treat sort of but coated in a layer of chocolate yeah we we went to an ice cream place nearby that, that actually does uh, a lot of vegan flavors and they had they were putting uh, mini eggs inside some of their flavors like they would do like a a chocolate ice cream with with mini egg pieces inside so that was pretty cool mini eggs are mini eggs are awesome I, I love those ah well for uh, my beer this week the uh, it's actually it's sort of on topic this week was going to be the dream team episode but don't worry everyone it'll be a next week. So the, the beer I ended up with, was, which was uh, completely coincidental, was called a Detour by the uh, Muskoka Brewery. So this is a 4.3% dry hopped India Session Ale. So for the, the people who I know a lot of folks don't like the, the beers that have a lot of hop in it, that's, uh, that's pretty much what we got here. So if, if you're not a hop person, that's, this is probably not your thing. But it's pretty good, pretty decent, uh, probably put it in my bottom half of beers not my favorite but uh, I wanted to make sure uh, I figured out exactly um, everything there is to know about the dry hopped indie sessions because uh, I know Jordan likes to know the his- that stuff The uh, so the whole reason apparently that it's called an Indian session ale was because these particular beers that were made in England uh, were natural had natural preservatives in them that would help uh, get them across the voyage to India so it was basically the beer that they could bring on board that would not spoil by the time uh, they got over to India. So I thought that was pretty neat. See, that's the kind of history lesson I come to the Thirsty Mage for. <laughs> that's that's right. what I want to know. Yeah. I'm going to have to start incorporating more of these. I thought that was pretty neat too. So, uh, And the uh, the dry hop part is when uh, the hops is added after boiling. I guess there's mm. dry hopped and wet hopped, I guess they, they call it. Wet is when it goes in before boiling and the dry is when it's added after the fact. So... Uh, little, yeah, a little beer lesson there for everyone at home. Can you put it on the list to do like a, a you know, a, a five minute like taste test on the show where you do a dry hop versus a wet hop and you kind of, you compare them live and say, oh, the, I, I can tell you, tell the difference between this and this. And, you know, I, I prefer, you know, this because of this sudden, you know, this hint of the flavor or something like that. That's, I would like to hear that next. That's my, that's my request. Yeah, I'm going to have to start doing that. That'll be, uh, that'll be next. I love the, the, there's this beer table of elements that basically just replaces all the all the regular table with like di- the different beer types, and uh, it'll oh, be a good great. it'll be a great checklist to just start drinking and checking off every every box. So that'll be uh, maybe uh, that'll be 2021's goal for this year to check off every box 
Drink every beer that's on the table, the beer table of uh, elements. Now, my other request is that you no longer are allowed to call a beer at 4.3% a beer. <laughs> it is maybe an alcoholic beverage or yeah. it is a a drink of some kind. I don't know. We need to come up with another term for it. But yeah, that in in, in your neck of the woods, that's that's not a beer. I don't know what that is. But I guess as long as if it's good, that's fine. But lower half and 4.3%, I don't I don't think it qualifies for the show. Yeah, I would say anything under five needs definitely needs a different name too. I, I'm yeah. totally in agreement with that. Another goal for 2021: we'll come up, we'll come up with a name for these, you know, non these non beers, the these app beers or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if, any, if anybody yeah. listening has any suggestions, feel free to hit us up on Discord or Twitter with. Let us know what this this word should be that uh, describes beers that are five percent or less. That takes us to the uh, the topic for uh, this episode, which is the our favorite uh, non-playable characters. So these are basically the the bread and butter of RPGs. The finding these these different characters, and usually they have something funny to say or they're helpful in some way. And uh, I think we'll we'll start with the series that uh, no one tires of hearing about, uh, the Legend of Hero series. So I, I don't for for all the the uh, Kaseki fans out there, I don't think uh, anyone's going to be too surprised by the person that I picked for the uh, the top NPC for the Legends of Heroes. This is Anton. So this is uh, the permanent tourist from Liberal that always just seems to be uh, in the strangest places. Anton is actually came up in the, the first uh, Trails, Trails in the Sky. He was uh, found in uh, a department store he had his had his sights set on a girl, uh, which is usually where we find him, uh, unless he's with his buddy Ricky trying to search him out. But uh, the the first girl that uh, Anton ended up with is a girl named Marsha. It's uh, someone that uh, frequently walked by his uh, where he usually hanged out, and so we Anton is the the type of character that falls head over heels for for different girls all the time. I haven't uh, seen him myself in the he's he pretty much pops up in most of the trails. Uh, titles he was in um trails from zero which um i had to look up because i i figured he was in there but i haven't played that one myself but where i recognized him from was in uh, trails of cold steel one and two when uh anton um was with uh, ricky and we found him in barahard when uh mm-hmm. when class seven had gone there for their exercises and then uh i uh found him in trails of cold steel two when he set his eyes on uh, sharon krueger and uh, Sharon is actually one of my favorite characters in the game, so I was actually kind of kind of uh, cheesed when it was when the class seven was trying to help set Anton up with uh, Sharon. So I got over that, I guess. Anton, he's he seems like a decent enough guy. And uh, finally, he's I won't spoil it for everyone uh, that hasn't played Trails of Cold Steel four yet, but uh, Anton does have a, a nice little kind of ending to his arc. So I'm not sure if we'll see him in any future titles because uh, we'll be heading off to Calvert soon. David, I like how you talk about characters from this this game series as if like you are in that world with them. <laughs> like you truly do sound like a person living in uh, the world of these Trails games. Um, as if these are just people you run into the street, they're, they're pals, they're friends. And I suppose that's one of the things that NPCs can do for a game is they, they add life, they kind of breathe life into it. And that the, the, I guess the, the quirkier, the more memorable, the more interesting, the NPCs, uh, often the, the, the environments, the cities, the worlds that you're exploring in these, in these longer games, the, the deeper they feel, the more meaningful the exploration becomes. Like, you know, I, I'm guilty of you know playing games fast and uh, purposefully so, uh, often for review, uh, and not having a chance to talk to everybody. But you know, I'll always try to talk to at least a couple of people in a new town just to get a flavor for that town. And I think that's one of the great things about um, you know solid or or you know effective NPC characters or NPCs is that they 
can I guess kind of connect you to a place. So if you go to, you go to a new town, you go to a dungeon, wherever, and you meet someone, that 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 person kind of becomes a, a mark or a stamp on that place, and you almost always connect them with it. So uh, for Anton, like his womanizing is a part of his character, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know the, the fact that he kind of continues that theme throughout the series makes him makes him you know an enjoyable person to keep running into. You, you're gonna worry like what uh, what conquest is he on now, right? So that that that's that's pretty neat, especially with um trails of cold steel like the, all these or e- the whole trails really is that you see these characters always popping up like in each of the different titles the just the the way they set up the whole world is uh really fun and uh really neat when you go to these different places and just find these characters that you've uh that you can recognize and it's uh, almost like meeting a friend you know out, out and about mm-hmm. before i get into my sort of actual first pick have any of you guys played um star fox adventures i i own the game I haven't actually. So, uh, I I didn't play a lot of GameCube, but yeah. Okay, so my first thought when because we only had about a day to decide this uh, for NPCs was just shopkeepers because originally everyone I was thinking of was uh, like actually they're a party member or something. Um, so actually my most iconic shopkeeper to me is the one from Thorntail Hollow in Star Fox Adventures. He's got a very unique voice. He's a He's on Dinosaur Planet, so he's like a dinosaur, but he's sort of shaped like a genie. Like, he doesn't have legs. Mm. He sort of flips around. Mm. Um, and all these quotes are very memorable. In um, in Dinosaur Planet, the currency is scarabs. So if you try to buy something and you can't afford it, he'll be like, put that down, you don't have enough scarabs! And... <laughs> You can try to haggle with him, and if you take if you take too many tries, he'll threaten to kick you out of the store. Uh, then there's also a mini game you can play to farm money inside his store that makes it a bit easier to do. But I think just like the lines that he has and his voice make him very memorable. Well, I was going to say we've got a beautiful sound clip now of uh, of your impression. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's going on the Twitter. But the other one I thought of as a shopkeeper, because uh, those are usually, I think, more memorable NPCs, um, is Beetle from The Legend of Zelda. And he originally showed up in uh, Wind Waker as he's on his little boat store. And since you're traveling between islands, he'll usually pull up to the island you're on so you can always purchase what you need. Um, and I think he's very, just a very iconic look. He's got sort of his bowl cut hair, he's triangular like pink ready nose um and his expression like he also has some good lines or he, like the way he talks is like oh and thank you uh, oh. yeah um apparently he was also in the minish cap phantom hourglass and spirit tracks in which he was in a hot air balloon whereas i remember him also from skyward sword as above skyloft you would see a floating little shack being flying around um, and when you called up to go to his shop, he it was powered by him on a bicycle. So he was flying this entire little shop on a bicycle and he's just repeatedly pedaling. <laughs> um, and the best thing about that is if you go up, decide not to buy anything, he actually kicks you out by dropping you through a trap door onto the ground. Uh, Gee, brutality. Because he says, like, <laughs> you weigh too much and it's really inconsiderate to <laughs> not buy anything. Oh, yeah, I, guess, I guess it makes hard. sense. Um, and I think that's when he introduced that you can exchange beetles with him, because Beetle likes beetles. And then again, he appears in Breath of the Wild as a traveling merchant, uh, where he's got a giant beetle backpack. And he also loves beetles, and you can swap them for things like elixirs in that game as well. I remember him from uh, from Wind Waker, though. And he makes me think of, like, uh, when you have this shopkeeper that follows you around when you need stuff, it... It's like me with Starbucks, where every time I need a Starbucks, there always <laughs> seems to be one one already set up right near me. I don't know how they do that. Beetles in, in Breath of the Wild, he's just walking around. Right? Yeah, like he's got like a big backpack, yeah. and he's kind of like a tra- like he feels he's like a traveling salesman. Yeah, I, I guess that's always kind of his his shtick. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't think he has a boat or a, or a, 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 a standard shop or something. I think you just kind of talk to him wherever you see him, and mm. uh, maybe outside little towns and stuff. But I think um, shop NPCs are usually what you kind of come to mind. You know, you've also got like some are iconic and repeated, like repeated in the series. Like Beetle has been in multiple Zelda games. Anna is in various Fire Emblem games. They're usually the standard um, character that stays throughout some games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she true. was in the famous crossover of uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE as well, I believe. Yes. Yeah. I think pretty much like the only reference, <laughs> or felt that way. 
Yeah, that, that, that and I guess some of the name, some of the names, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, maybe maybe I can jump in with one of my shopkeepers too, okay. just because I, I I found I found one particularly memorable. Um, I've got I've, I've got a couple other characters to talk about as well, but um, in Resident Evil Four, the the merchant mm. uh, and his famous you know what do you what do you buy in or what do you sell in lines. Um, I, I can't do as dramatic a reading as Paige, but uh, <laughs> uh, though the, that that character, like I think in a, in a horror game, for there to be like a merchant that kind of um, you know has the blue flames around him and it signals like a point of safety like I thought that was one thing that made him really memorable is that um, every time you find him in the game like you know it's kind of a point it's kind of a, a point where the anxiety and the tension are going to drop down um, and so he almost like his lines are you know they're kind of they sound kind of funny when he says them but you know I, I think it's a it's a nice bit of levity in that game uh, you know when you consider it's a very very lengthy Resident Evil game uh, between all the action and blood and and uh, and horror elements you have like this kind of um, mysterious figure who uh, just sells you like rocket rocket launchers like yeah. it, it's 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 a it's just a funny contrast I think between other elements of the game uh, and I always found his his the voice acting and the his lines that you know it doesn't have doesn't have a ton to say but they're they're delivered in a memorable way and um i think it's one of the uh, one of the shopkeepers that if anyone's played uh a resident evil game they certainly think about uh, i think about him first and foremost and i don't know that he appears in any other games but uh for four i think it's just one of the things that made that game particularly timeless as uh one of the timeless games uh that i covered uh, uh, a few months ago but uh yeah that, that, that's probably one of my favorite merchants uh, in video games for sure yeah, that, that one came to mind for me as well. Um, like, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head, right? Like, it, the high pressure and, and tense feelings throughout a lot of that game. Mm-hmm. And then you see him, and, and at first you're like, can I trust this guy? Like, the first time you run into him, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know about this. Um, yeah, but then you go on to, to learn to love to see that guy because, yeah, not only does it give you some downtime, it lets you sort of stock up the arsenal a little bit. Um, and while it does give you a little bit, of breather time usually it's followed right by uh something bigger and badder so it, mm-hmm. it's sort of a fleeting moment of uh sing tranquility maybe i guess uh but but yeah i i thought of him as well um and actually i think it's it's sort of funny that the new resident evil sort of has a merchant as well right of some sort uh looks you know a little creepy as well so it's cool to see them bringing that back mm-hmm. um i wonder if maybe it might be so like I don't know if it'll be a, a staple for all Resident Evil games, you know, moving forward, but uh, it would be sort of cool to have, like, the recurring character that's always different but sort of similar. Um, but it, sort of keeping on the theme of uh, merchants uh, or, or, you know, shop owners, I guess, uh, I, I sort of thought of with Zelda, right, um, the happy mask salesman. Mm, that's a good one. Because uh, he's in, you know, two of the games, right, with... Uh, with uh, Ocarina of Time, where he uh, a much more minute role, right? He he, you obviously you you do like the tasks or the quests, get the masks, and you know they help you um, throughout your quest. But obviously, you know in Majora's Mask, a much more uh, prominent figure and and much more eerie and and creepy, right? Like I, he mm-hmm. he's just weird, you know, and gives off like like, weird vibes, like, why is this guy, you know, oh, the happy mask salesman, why has he got this crazy, evil Majora's mask, you know what I mean? And also, why was he so careless to let it go if it was truly, I, I know he got sort of bamboozled, but, um, you know, if it was truly that dangerous, you'd think maybe he'd be a little bit more cautious with it. But, uh, yeah, I, I like, not only just... Is he like sort of an interesting character to look at, right? Like he's got the big backpack with all the masks and stuff. But I just love this sort of dark side of it, and, I, and for me, that's why I like Majora's Mask so much. I like the dark, sort of weird, creepy tones, and I think he sort of uh, embodies that feeling. And they sort of whack you over the head with it right off the bat in that game. next one is um we've been talking about all these games that i know i've played and i just don't remember 
I can't recall a lot of these people, but one one that I played recently that I recall is from uh, the Demon Souls remake, and my uh, my NPC is Bior of the Twing Fangs. So this is a character that um, I love. That Demon Souls has so many NPCs in the game that you could uh, some of them you could just and completely miss. Um, some of them actively work against you, uh, like that one jerk that I can't remember his name now. <laughs> Uh, Not too memorable you, of an NPC. You, you always remember the jerks in these what games, that David. That's why I'm going to have to remember him. He's the guy one. that was killing everybody in the Nexus. Yuri? Was it Yuri his name? Uh, I can't remember. It might be. Yeah. Uh, I know I know who you're talking about, but yeah, he, yeah. Casey will find him. He, he is a big But the, the good guy is Bior. So he, um, so he was one half of the King of Boletaria's elite duo, the the Twin Fangs. So the, the other guy actually got out of town before the evil came, supposedly to tell the rest of the world that uh, what was happening to Boletaria. But Bior got stuck. Um, he got defeated and he was thrown into uh, a jail cell. And that's where we end up finding him. Um, he's on the uh, the Lord's Path. Right near the uh, the Tower Knight uh, location, actually. So you eventually find some iron keys that let you go down uh, into the dungeon area and you unlock it. And um, what was funny to me is that after I unlocked it, you think he'd be ready to go, but he was happy that I unlocked the, the jail cell and then decided he would just take a nap and would meet up with me later. So I <laughs> thought, thought that was pretty funny. Um, he does end up back at the, uh, the Nexus uh as uh, just someone, I don't think he actually does too much in the Nexus other than someone to talk to, but um, where he is useful is later on in the Lord's Path, The uh, he helps with the, the <laughs> probably the dirtiest naming boss in Demon Souls, the Penetrator, and uh, mm-hmm. helps helps take on the Penetrator. So it was nice to have um, a punching bag to uh, distract uh, the boss while I snuck up behind. To take the <laughs> penetrations. That's right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let that sword penetrate Bior, not uh, not my character. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I ended up uh, helping out quite a bit, so I could sneak up and do my magic and take out the the boss. Uh, but the the most hilarious part, I guess, in the Demon Souls was when um, you get to the uh, the elevator that takes you up to the the king, and uh, there's a blue dragon standing in the way, and Bior uh, decides that he he'll distract that dragon too. So uh, he he kind of like does. Walks. I don't even know what he's really trying to do to the dragon, but he's kind of just walking around in circles in front of the dragon while the dragon roasts him, and uh, it ends up providing like a, a, a period of time where I can run past the fire. And I, I was kind of uh, I, I was laughing so hard when I was watching it that I kind of just stood there and let. I wanted to see if Bior would ever die, and it doesn't seem like like I bet. I think <laughs> if I had like left the game on twenty four hours, he eventually would have ran out of health, but. For the most part, it seemed like uh, Bior wasn't. He was going to be in an in an endless loop of being burned, burned alive, and then get up and then burned alive. So I uh, gotta gotta give a lot of respect for him for putting his life life and uh, life on the line to to help me get through Demon Souls. It sounds like he's got some you know fire resistant charm or armor or something, and I I want to know what he's got because I need some of that because <laughs> yeah. I got I got roasted by that dragon and a few others uh, uh, earlier in the game as well, but. Uh, um, yeah, that Bjorn, Bjorn's a good one from Demon Souls. I'll 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 just hop in here with um, I've got uh, Solaire from Dark Souls. Uh, so um, in the first Dark Souls game, Solaire is a, a knight who uh, he he's kind of the head of a covenant. He's trying to I guess discover um, like his own personal son. He's on kind of a mission, but he's he's really kind and, and helpful and courteous and polite. And um, he's he's kind of I guess famous for uh, creating the praise the sun meme and praise the sun gesture uh, associated with uh, with the the souls uh, the soul series so the one of the reasons why I really like Solaire is he he's a he's a he's a character who you can summon for multiple boss fights and I you know I, I do I do like the the co-op aspect of, of Dark Souls and so if I can play with another human player that's great but sometimes you can't always find uh, another person to help you with a fight so uh, I, you know when when I get the opportunity to summon Solaire to help me with a boss fight it, it might end up being you know like like the way uh Bjor was used by David in Demon Souls where they're just kind of a cannon fodder or a scapegoat to uh the old distract meat 
Yeah, just just distracting the enemy while you can get your licks in. But uh, yeah, a Solaire, you know, like the like the merchant original Resident Evil Four, kind of being like a a bright spot in the game amidst all the gloom and doom. Solaire kind of feels like a good a symbol or representation of that as well. And that you know, you when you find, I think one of the first times you find him, he's kind of on a balcony and it's overlooking like a really bright and sunny vista. And he's he teaches you uh, the praise the sun gesture, or he um, he talks about joining his covenant or something I, I don't remember all the details but uh I, I do i do feel like he's just one of those good guys in the dark in the in the dark souls game and you know whenever you see him or you can summon him for help it seems like a a good thing to do but uh yeah solaire solaire is definitely one that that stuck with me well he's special enough to be probably the only one on this uh podcast to have his own amiibo so very yes that's mm. right I, I wish i wish i had that amiibo I, I i totally forgot about that Paige, you have any idea what it actually does it make it allows you to do the praise the sun emote which is probably the most useless one of the most useless amiibo things because you can just unlock it through playing the game as far as i'm aware yeah you get i think you get it pretty early too i would guess but <laughs> that's like one yeah. of the first yeah. things i remember doing you know. I guess if you wanted to just kill Solaire and just take his gesture <laughs> without talking to him, I guess the amiibo would let you do that. So. Well, that appeals yeah. to me. He looks good standing in the wall pipe on my collection, at least. <laughs> yeah, that that is definitely one. If if I had a chance to pick up that amiibo again, I probably would. I, I, I really like the Dark Souls games, and yeah, I think Solaire's a pretty memorable NPC in them. Uh, I'll do a little rapid fire. Sure. Um, this one is for Perry because uh, he loves Line Beck more than anything from yeah, uh, Phantom Hourglass. He is the guy who uses ship, and he's just a big, like, self-centered jerk bag. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but y- y- like, it's just so funny. I, his writing's really funny. That was uh, like Perry is. He wants him in Smash Bros. so bad. Uh, but yeah, li- good old Line Beck. Casey, if I'm not mistaken, he he's in Hyrule Warriors for 3DS, maybe. I or no, don't think so. Maybe I he's think part of maybe he's part of someone's like a special attack or something. I'm gonna look that up, but I, I yeah, he was in the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I know he's in like in Hourglass, and then I feel like he was like he got snuffed out of there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. like he should have been in there, but like you know, um, yeah, but yeah, Phantom Hourglass, another... Spirit Tracks, uh, Super Smash Bros. Brawl. And Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. He must have come in as like an assist trophy or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, just like really funny, like just a big jerk, and you you travel with him, and um, always good there. Uh, I guess uh, another quickie, um, Avalanche as a whole, right? That's sort of I think what sort of sparked uh, this whole conversation, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I I think it's funny. I didn't realize how much I love them until playing the remake. Where like it actually fleshes them out more, and and you get to see like the interaction between the three, and and then with the other you know party members and stuff. Um, just so good. Like they're like they're all good. I mean, but like good old Wedge, right, with his cats and everything. Um, <laughs> oh man, just I I love that game so much. Well, uh, but anyway, well, <laughs> yeah, Wedge and like Bigs and Wedge are are a Final Fantasy staple too. Like. I'm actually, <laughs> I don't think we could have had this episode without them, but it's, what I find funny though, is that, um, they're so popular that they were, uh, what do you call it when you like re, they, they changed the history of Final Fantasy to add them back into old games. Uh, revisionist history. Yeah. Like the, uh, ret, the, uh, retcon. retcon. Yeah. That's oh, retcon. Yeah, retcon. That's it, yep. Cause they, um, they retconned them back into the original Final Fantasy and the Dawn of Souls. And then I don't know if it was if it was just a localization thing, but I know like at the beginning of Final Fantasy VI, Wedge was there, but it was he was originally called Vix, not Biggs. Vix, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Mm. And then uh, yeah, obviously like in seven, uh, you got them in, and then uh, eight, they're in the Galbadian army, which is pretty funny. Mm. Um. I I feel like I did see them in Final Fantasy fourteen. I they're in the um. They're in the first. They're not like they're in the base game, because I remember coming into them. But they, they, they threw me off completely because like one's like this big monster guy, and the other is like the little tiny like childlike character. <laughs> Are they in uh, uh, Final Fantasy Fifteen Pocket Edition? <laughs> they, they were in. They were in Final Fantasy Fifteen the Real Edition. I uh, say their their pocket forms are probably way cuter though. Yeah, they actually gave them uh, last names. I think they called it was Big Calix and Wedge Kincaid. I don't know how I feel about that. 
<laughs> yeah, I can't remember if they're bad guys in 15. They were in they were subordinates for the Nilfheim Empire, but I'm pretty sure they were they were helping the bad guy cuz I think the person that they worked for was the boss. So it's been a hot minute since I played 15 though. Paige, you've got another NBC from 14, right? FF14. Ah, uh, yeah. I was I was just gonna say I sort of blanked out for a bit, so I don't know if you guys mentioned it, but I like that their um like their names are Star Wars reference. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, my I only just thought of it this morning. I don't know why it wasn't the first NPC um I thought of is um Hoshafant Greystone from Final Fantasy 14. Um, so when like Jordan was talking about how you associate an NPC with a place or you know like. Um, definitely I feel that with um, Horshafant at um, Camp Dragonhead, which is where he's usually stationed at his desk trying to avoid paperwork. You come across him in the base game, um, probably midway point or so, as you need to, to take care of some primal threat. Um, so he helps. Camp Dragonhead is sort of the point just before Ishgard, which is generally closed off from outsiders because they're dealing with this whole war with dragons. But after you... But after he helped save his friend from a heretic case that he was falsely accused of, he basically becomes sort of your best friend. Like, he really admires you. He always... He's always sort of just... He's like the best friend you could have. Um, Apparently in the Japanese, he's extremely more flirtatious. um, And they tone that down in um, the English... (laughs) localization he's just really nice and it's always like fun to go up to there and see him and then just before heaven's ward there's a bit where a lot of you are in trouble so you go to camp dragonhead as a safe place to stay because like he's your trusted friend and he'll protect you from anyone that was trying to hurt you um and he helps cheers up yeah and he helps cheers up one of the other npcs because they're like something dire just happened definitely really associated with friendship and like being there for you and usually has some hot chocolate as well can't go wrong with some hot cocoa it sounds like it sounds like this fellow and Stellaire would be found in a bar drinking hot chocolate together they sound like uh two birds of a feather here and i'll go after going to spoilers now because like how his character arc so if you're really into playing final fantasy 14 skip <laughs> a bit so yeah, in Heaven's Ward, is also how he helps he helps get you into Ishgard so that you guys can stay there, and then you help out with um, this dragon war that's going on. And then at some point, when you go to rescue another NPC and you're trying to escape, an enemy throws this sort of lightning bolt-like strike at you, and Horshafant pushes you out of the way and tries to protect you with his shield, but it pierces through him. And so one of the more memorable quotes from him is actually when he's dying, uh, because he like you're holding him, and then it was it's like do not a few things he says, but like one of the main things is do not look at me so a smile better suits a hero before he dies. So you smile at him before he dies, um, and yeah, that just sort of has a general impact on the story and changing the tone and that. I actually knew that he died before I'd even played the game and knew how he was, but it still like really impacted me emotionally. Um, even now, it's been a few years since I've played that part. And I actually, I play as a paladin, which is one of, I think, the only class that has a shield glam. So I actually have his shield, like his family's crest shield, as my shield all the time. That's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I think someone needs to get Paige a hot chocolate right now. I'm 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 feeling I'm feeling a little emotional myself. I, I could use one. I even as played well. the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hot chocolates all around, David. Let's let's get yeah. let's get him up at the bar. I actually um some of the lures also on this blog where they play sh- short stories and I hadn't seen them before, so I just read before the podcast read this one where it was a letter to you, the ca- um the character and that he'd written that he never got, so then I felt even more sad. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's saying, like, hell will always be there for you. Okay, well, I'm going to, before we move on from the NPCs, I'm going to try to bring us out of this more. this mire of sadness that we've oh, tripped into. One more, one more, real quick. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I know. Uh, I, I come late and and I'm throwing things around. All right, just Deckard Kane. That's all I'll say. Ah, uh, yeah, I was going to do that one, too. Go for it. Yeah, he's tell us the case. Oh, so was, uh, was that what you were just about to say? No, no, I've got another one, but Deckard is one I had on my list. Okay, yeah, I think um, anyone who's played Diablo, right, knows who Deckard Cain is. He's a big presence, the last of the Haradrim, a friendly fellow who uh, will always identify your items free of charge, um, after you rescue him, of course. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just, 
you know, he's sort of a, a driving force within the game, but always sort of um, pretty well connected to your character as you progress your story through the game, right? So it's sort of hand in hand. I think, you know, he's in the first one, you, you big presence in the second one, um, and then, you know, going in, I guess Diablo 3 is super old at this point, uh, spoilers potentially, he, he does pass away in the third one, uh, which leads to literally my favorite cutscene Probably of any game ever. Uh, after Act One in Diablo Three, uh, when when uh, you know you're you're sending him off. Oh my God! Just an amazing cutscene. But yeah, mm-hmm. just a, a really you know great character. Uh, and I think uh, and like I said, anyone who's played Diablo, it's it's hard not to sort of think of him when you're thinking of really you know memorable NPCs. Yeah, Decker Kane is like synonymous with that whole franchise, I'd say. And even even the first game, he's just the voice acting is so memorable. You know, stay a while and listen. Like mm-hmm. you really do want to talk to him, and you see him so frequently to identify items, like you said, Casey. And um, yeah, he really does feel like the the kind of heart and soul of the series. So he's like uh, grandpa, see, you know. Yeah, yeah, and to see to see kind of uh, I guess the way he was treated in in Diablo three, it'll be interesting to see what they do with with the character or, or his legacy moving forward to the fourth game. But uh, I just wanted to quickly point out one more, and I'll only mention them briefly because we're going to talk about them more in a couple months. But uh, Edie and Joker from Mass Effect. So Joker is like the pilot of the Normandy ship, um, voiced by Seth Green, and he's pretty funny, you know, and uh, got a lot of heart to him. He, he's um, he's disabled. He doesn't have the use of his legs, but he's you know obviously a crack shot pilot and um there's there's a mission in one of the games it might be the second or third one where you kind of have to crawl around with him uh, in a, almost like a stealth section and so it was cool to kind of um uh, play with him as a character for a little while um uh, just because you, you get so used to just hanging out with him on the ship and talking to him and stuff um and then Edie is kind of the uh, the ai of the ship who also kind of becomes she becomes like a full playable character in the third game so um just just a couple of neat characters from mass effect that uh, stood out to me a little bit and uh, look forward to uh, spending some more time with them in a couple months when the uh, the trilogy relaunches in May. This is the last call for alcohol this evening. Drink up, drink up, drink up, and order again. This is the last call for alcohol. Get going. For this week's last call, I was thinking uh, we're getting close to prediction season and uh, to kind of get us into the mood or to warm us up for maybe a, a bigger predictions, uh, I don't know, episode or last call or something like that. I'm sure one of these is uh, down the line sooner or later. But um, I have three three different predictions uh, to get everyone's opinion on. A short one that's uh, short term, medium term and long term. So I'll start with the short term question. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure everyone here knows the release date for uh, Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne. I know uh, we can't mention it yet because it's still technically under embargo, but uh, it's coming up soon. And I want to know from everyone, um, do you think there will be any kind of acknowledgement, mentioning of whether SMT5, like anything, anything to do with SMT5 before the release of SMT3? Mm-hmm. No, I don't yeah. think so either because I don't think it's hitting twenty twenty one. Six year delay. Let's go. So, yeah, I'll 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 say that the reason why they're not going to announce uh, anything about SMT five until after three is that you know it's one of those classic not wanting to cannibalize sales, right? Like I think they'll want people to play three, get into it like or don't like it but then boom like hey you didn't like three look at five it's brand new and shiny and different and and better in a lot of ways or if you did like three here's more of that like it's kind of win-win to announce after announce details after uh plus there's the fact that like you know uh, you know the summertime you know um e3 like i feel like that would be a really good time or even summer uh Tokyo Game Show could be an opportunity to uh, you know do a little bit more with SM- SMT5. So we might get a like a just a, just around or after the release of three Nocturne, you might get a tease like yeah more information coming soon or later this year. Or they might say something about it uh, and then yeah E3 or Tokyo Game Show we might uh, get the full reveal and release date and everything like that. It just feels like a game they're not gonna they've already announced it too early. I think now they're just kind of gone into hiding with it, and you know, I th- I, th- I do still think we'll get it this year, but uh, I- I'm yeah, thinking nothing, nothing before three. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be the first Switch game like ever 
revealed and it's going to be the like a launch game for the Switch 2. <laughs> I, I I agree with everyone. Like I don't believe they're going to mention anything before the release of SMT3, but I feel like they I feel like they're they're missing an opportunity in the sense of they don't have to give out details, but I think if they did like some kind of teaser tr- like some kind of teaser trailer or something just to be like here's here's game like here's 15 seconds of gameplay the game exists and then end the teaser trailer with like more details e3 or or like tgs or whatever like you know we're not telling even if it just hit a year right yeah just to get but what but there's no point in doing it before smt3 comes out right because then everyone's gonna be like look how good this looks look how bad smt3 looks by comparison and why would anyone buy just to get just to get smt3 into the like into the Twitter sphere, like just to get SMT in general on on people's minds. Like if if we're going into S, like SMT three gets announced, I'm sure it'll make some news on its own. But it, I still think the audience is going to be somewhat limited for for kind of an older retro game like that. But at least if they get like if they if there's a mention of five, then it'll generate more buzz. And then maybe people might be more compelled to pick up three because they're like, okay, SMT five can't be that far down the road, because like now, David, I know, I know you're one to play like multiple games in a series in a year, <laughs> let alone maybe even a month. Like you all know, if them. three Final Fantasies game, <laughs> games came out this year, you'd play all of them. Yeah. But I think there's a lot of people like they play one SMT game. And, you know, these are big, huge, difficult RPGs. Like, you might not have, you know, there might be a, a fair amount of the fan base that can only stomach one of these games per year. Mm. So, yeah, I, I I feel like that could, I, I suppose I'm, you know, fighting against my own point, that could push it to next year for that reason. But, um, yeah, I, I, I do think we'll hear about SMT5 soon. Um, I just, I, I'd be surprised if it was before 3. I, I'm very excited for 3, but, yeah, we'll see. I'll do a s- small amendment. Does anybody believe we'll hear about SMT5 this year? <laughs> <laughs> I I think we're he- like I said, I could see it being E three, but I don't think we get it. This well, year. here development is going very well, just like we hear for Bayonetta <laughs> <Yeah>. three. <laughs> oh yeah. rip! Oh. Where are you, Bayo three? But that's Kamiya just messing yeah. with us at this point, right? Like he, I don't think that SMT devs are necessarily trying to screw with our heads as much, but Kamiya, you know, he he takes he takes delight in doing mm. that, so I think he's just playing, but. Well, that'll bring us to the my medium term one, and uh, I know in the news there's been a lot of talk about the uh, the Switch. I, I don't know what they're going to call it, the Switch Pro or whatever it is. New Nintendo Switch. Sorry. New Super Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> I really hope it's Excel. the Super Nintendo Switch. I really want them to bring back Super. Like, please just do it. Don't use new. Don't use a number. Even Pro, I think, is kind of lame at this point. Like, just give me, give me Super Switch. Super Switch, please. that'd be so cool. The Super yeah. Switch would be would sound cool. Yeah, so, yeah. so I guess the the rumors are basically like it's it's more or less the same as the Switch, except it's going to have a new uh, OLED screen, which will be slightly bigger. That'll like take up, I guess, more of the frame. The bezel, I think. Take yeah. up some of the bezel. That's right, yeah. and uh, and it'll be when in docked, it'll be able to uh, do 4K on on the TV. Yeah. So uh, that made me start to think, though, is is uh, or started to question if if they think they're going to get 4K games on the Switch to play on the television, uh, those games like the size of these games are going to skyrocket. Like they're not going to be able to get away with these little 10 gigabyte games anymore. Which brings me to the question of what what size hard drive does everyone think the new Super Switch is going to have? Well, mm. if you can have one terabyte. Micro SDs, I think that should at least have one. <laughs> well, what's and it, and if the Super Switch is going to cost eight hundred dollars, yeah. Paige, then you might be right yes. about that. Because <laughs> the Switch now I is won- what thirty two gigabytes. Yes, and a bit and that a bit helps less. You, yeah, built in. Yeah, like that won't. And, and I I can't come to delete ease, even though I know I probably won't go back and play it. But, my, and it's just my, hogging up like twenty gigs. My, my favorite is I have I started putting some of the bigger games on a second SD card. And then I had one where I put pretty much everything else onto my big SD card that's like 256 gig. But then whenever I go to like take photos off of it and put it back in, it decides it wants to delete everything. <laughs> oh, oh, no. 
I feel like 256 isn't even that much no, anymore on Switch. No, that's what like, I mean. I, 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 can't, I, want, I, want f- I can fit I, most of my games, but I can't fit like Banner or any of like, like even like the, I think there was any Revelations games are pretty big too, like compared to like most yeah, of the Switch yeah. games anyway. Wait, so David, you're you're under the assumption that it won't have a solid state? I'm just kidding. No way. <laughs> I'm no just way. kidding. No, it's... <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be the the hard drive it has now, but my guess is it's gonna be one twenty eight, and at one twenty eight you'll probably be able to fit three games on that thing. Yeah, right now it's what thirty two. It's thirty two. Yeah. So yeah, I think baseline would be sixty four, but one twenty eight sounds good. What would be interesting would be if if they're really selling the super switch, right? Like hey, four K, you know, on the the TV there. I wonder. If they would maybe do something where there is some, like, instead of just giving us the flimsy, whimsy dock that we have now, if they'd maybe put some sort of storage within there. Now, I highly doubt it, but it would be interesting, um, you know, especially, like you are saying, if, if there are if 4K games were to actually come, which, again, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It would be a way to sort of alleviate the uh, the size issue. Um but yeah, I I don't think that would because pr- then there'd be two different docks and then this that and the other thing. But it would be interesting, I think. Casey, that's a really that's a really cool concept if that were to work out. Like use the dock as a storage medium as well because I think you know it's not going to be native 4K, right? Like there, it'll be some kind of DLSS. Right? It's upscaled, so I don't know that the games necessarily are going to be that much bigger because they're not, it's not necessarily the games, you know, themselves that are 4k. Like I, I don't know enough about the technology lingo around it, but if it's the, if it's the dock doing a lot of work, uh, to make to kind of up upres the games and make them look better, you're not going to get 4k in handheld. Right. And because of that, like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah, sound like that, that would, that. that would be nice, but <laughs> I mean, but the, 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 I guess what I'm trying to say is like, if if you're a more portable player, you don't really need that extra hard drive. It's just for the people that are docking it more. So I I don't think they're gonna get. I don't think they're really gonna give you much of a bigger hard drive here. I could see it being 32 still, and you know still asking you to just buy buy a bigger SD card for your system. I, I don't I don't even know that they would go up in size. Mm. Got to keep it cheap. Got to keep it cheap, right? Like that's the Nintendo way. Like you're not gonna there's not gonna be a lot of bell, extra bells and whistles here. This console isn't gonna cost much more. If if more at all than the regular Switch, so how do you keep the price down? You're certainly not putting a bigger hard drive. Uh, that'd be that'd be uh, pretty dangerous of them because the games. I think we're at the point now that where there are some Switch games that are bigger than 32 gigs, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's not exactly future proofing the Switch for a few years down the line. Be interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. We'll we'll, we'll see. Like a, maybe they'll just uh, ask third parties to start buying the bigger SD cards. Like you know, rather than limit, you know, I think a lot of them buy the 32, and you just download extra stuff uh, online. But maybe they'll you see, you know, you got to buy the 64s or the 128 cards or something like that. I don't know. We'll see if people, we'll see if companies are willing to do that. So the final question I had on our prediction, and this is one that we probably won't know for a little while anyway is that the Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword is going to be coming out in a few months. And I looked up the the original sales for the Wii version of the Legend of Zelda Sky, Skyward Sword. And uh, the so the, the lifetime there uh, for that one is three, 3 million, just a little over, it's 3.14 million. So they, they sold a little over 3 million units of that, that particular Wii game. And my question to everyone here is, will the Switch version the remastered outsell that well i'm trying to see how much well the Link's awakening is sold um over four million copies and that was uh last last year so i think it would definitely beat i think Link's awakening remake yeah i was looking at uh breath of the wild is at t- 21 and a half or just shy 21 are, are you comparing just skyward silly. sword to breath of the wild no 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 no, no Nintendo but, but Zelda, just with the- just Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking at, yes. you know, I, I, to get a baseline is what I was going for, right? All right. And I think it's I I think it's safe to say yes. Um I don't know if it's going to outsell Link's Awakening. Yeah, I think it, I think it will cuz um, not think that so? many. There's a lot of heat yeah. going on for Skyward Sword. It's like well, it's like 3D Yeah, 3D Zelda's I think so better uh in general. 
there's also the fact that like they're they're do they're doing this this game and you don't even need to use motion controls anymore, right? I think people might have been turned off of the Wii version because you had to play with motion controls. Yeah, I struggled with One them. One reason <laughs> I would consider buying this game is because I don't need to waggle my bloody Joy-Con around anymore you to still play this can, game. Though. I I I know, and I I look forward to the video of Perry wearing his Zelda outfit and waggling to his heart's content. But for me, like I'm I'm going to be using that stick control. That like I, I don't I don't really care that much for motion controls. And I think there's a lot of people that maybe didn't play this game the first time through, as good as it might be, because they were turned off of well, uh, of the, the could, kind of forced motion do controls, the right? Controls so. probably. <laughs> I, that, I like... also think you're going to have a lot of people who have played it before, like myself, but have not played it since its original release, right? Yeah, so that's yeah. 15 years ago. I haven't played this game in 15 years. No, I can't believe it's 15? been that long. Oh, that's, that's crazy. Was, was it 15? Was it 2006? R- regardless, oh, wow, over a decade ago, right? <laughs> I don't think it's been that long. Wasn't it 2011? No, because I was th- I was thinking a Twilight Princess was the launch game, so it was probably twenty. <laughs> That's ten years, oh, isn't it? Twenty eleven. Ten years. Ten years yeah. is still pretty so long, though. A decade, yeah. I haven't played this game in a decade, and like you know, a lot of the Zelda mainline three D Zelda games I've played multiple times. You know, if not all the way through, but definitely you know have played it multiple times. But this game, you know, mm. I've really only played once, so. You know, I think there would be a lot of people who are just like, hey, I haven't played this game in forever. Like, let's do it. You put Mario or Zelda on it, it's yeah. going to sell. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think that, that on the Switch, considering the install base, it's a new Zelda game celebrating the anniversary. It's the only Zelda game we know about for, for release this year. I think people are going to get really hyped up about it. I think it's going to, I think it'll easily outsell the uh, the, pre, the Wii version. Mm. Um, and plus, now that everyone's listened to the podcast, they know about Beetle being in Scarlet Sword, so they're just going to have to get the game. That's the number they're one reason to buy it. Really. <laughs> it doesn't matter about how you control the huh. game. You know, the be- one of the best NPCs that Paige has told us about is yeah. in the game. Boom. Well, I think that might be the perfect place to, to end on that note, Jordan, if you want to take us out. Obviously, I want to thank everybody for joining us for uh, an episode about our favorite NPCs, and you know, there's tons of NPCs to talk about, and uh, I'm, I'm sure we could revisit, uh, you know, this this theme uh, sometime in the future, but. Uh yeah, we had to uh, put off our uh, Mario and Luigi Dream Team episode. I uh, had some stuff come up yesterday, so um, we'll be doing that next week. Uh, so stay tuned. And we haven't canceled or anything. That's still coming. Uh, still going to be a crossover with uh, with Perry. He's going to join the, the four of us as well, so that'll be fun. So keep looking forward to that. Get a little bit more time to finish the game. If you haven't, I think uh, Paige was thankful uh, to have a little bit more time to get through the end. Uh, I, I, I'm going to put in a few more hours as well, just kind of refresh my memory about it. But uh, yeah, uh, Dream Team next week. Um, uh, David told you about uh, the Patreon and we've got a Discord channel as well you know lots of good discussions happening there if you want to join a Thirsty Mage on Discord I think that's all I guess we could say you know what, what people are working on right now Paige uh, you got any reviews cooking right now What uh, what's happening with you well I've well finished the main campaign of um, Story of Season so that'll be soonish when I when when I'm allowed to publish the review <laughs> uh, David what about you what about what uh, Thirsty Mage reviews are happening right now that you're allowed to talk about. <laughs> yeah, just thinking of that, because like I got one I'm not allowed to talk about. Um, we got one going up for Star Renegade soon. Um, that'll be up shortly. Just working on that, uh, the written one for that. I think that's about it for the most part. Casey, what uh, what are you playing on PS5 like right now? Final Fantasy VII Remake, and it's amazing. And Call of Duty, and some Demon Souls, but mainly Final Fantasy VII. I think it's hilarious that like you got your PS5 and you know you you were so excited for Call of Duty and Demon Souls and then you realize Final Fantasy Five Final Fantasy Seven Remake is free to PlayStation Plus members and you hop right in and now you're hooked on it. Well, what it, and what's ironic too is I got the 4K TV and then you would think one would think well certainly he'll wait till June and then I was like <laughs> I was bored one night I was like I just I need to see this for a minute you know yeah. yeah. And then I then I played the first sequence and I was like Jesus Christ this is it's this so is good. like everything it's the truth you know it's everything I'd ever wanted and uh, I forgotten you hadn't played the demo of the game right like no Dave and this I is the first the demo time I've ever I'd even played it. it at PAX in uh, at the end of twenty at PAX uh, West in twenty nineteen so I was like thoroughly looking forward to it but this was your first time hands on so mm-hmm. that's pretty cool yeah and you know? like I I told Perry the other day it's like I'm I'm really enjoying Bravely Default. But it's going to the back burner. I am I'm going all in on Final Fantasy VII remake, and 
I have not been disappointed so far. So, uh, yeah. Oh God. Definitely, definitely can't blame you. It's a, it's a, it's a stellar game. I know it was uh, uh, David and my uh, one of our top uh, top three games last year. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, uh, so everyone's got stuff going on. I've got a like page. I have a review for Story of Seasons that'll be dropping soon. Um, I've got uh, I've, I've got other stuff too. But yeah, I think I feel like stuff is under embargo or I don't know embargo details. But uh, stay tuned for a bunch of reviews from me uh, on NWR next week. Uh, video, some, a couple in video form, uh, some in written form. But yeah, lots lots of content uh, happening soon. Uh, gosh, I need to get back to uh, Persona Four Golden. I, I feel like I've neglected uh, my baby for too long. So uh, <laughs> open to uh, catch up on that and make it. Uh, well, I know we're going to do an episode on it in a couple a couple months, but uh, it's also going to be a timeless game. So stick uh, stick around for that. But uh, yeah, thanks everyone again for everybody for listening. Uh, thanks to Paige, uh, Casey, and David uh, to get together with us here to talk about uh, our favorite NPCs. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, see you again next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Adios. Bye.